Hello and welcome to The Marketing Juggle, a podcast where we talk to small business owners about how they use marketing and in particular digital marketing to promote their business. My name is Anne Nealon from Nealon Digital and we work with small businesses to get them confident using digital technology to grow and scale their business. We want data and technology to be a part of their everyday. Today on The Marketing Juggle, I am speaking to Shibli Mustafa. Shibli is a vet based in Queensland. He has three vet clinics and he learned early on the power of taking himself out of the day-to-day business so that he could focus on the activities he needs to grow his business. He's about to buy his fourth practice and over the years, he's learned a lot about how to use marketing to promote and grow his business. So welcome, Shibley, to The Marketing Juggle. Thank you for your time today. Thanks Um, for having me here, Anne. Pleasure to be here. You're welcome. So let's just start off by telling me about your business. How did it start and what you love about it? Well, the startings of my business are interesting because I'd have to ask the people who started them because I actually didn't start my clinics. I bought existing businesses and that was, I suppose, part of my business strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, I was working as a vet. I'd been a vet for about, I think at that stage, probably about 10 years or so. And uh, about seven years, I'd been a vet. And um, I always wanted to get into veterinary practice, but more to own a business and own an asset, essentially, Uh that would generate income rather than buy myself a job. And yep. so when the opportunity, I was actually working in emergency doing three nights a week and I had the opportunity to buy a clinic that I had worked at previously. Okay. And when that opportunity came up, I said, yeah, that sounds great. Although I really enjoy working in emergency. So I don't know if I want to go work in the practice. It was mm-hmm. a general practice. So so day, day shifts basically. And I was yep. like, I'm loving this night stuff that I'm doing. It's very exciting ER. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Anyway, so I went to go do my due diligence and check out the, the clinic. And while I was doing due diligence, I found out the clinic down the road was going for sale as well. Right. And I was like, oh, this is a bit of a conundrum because I'm like, I'm sussing out this clinic and I heard there's another one down the road. Anyway, long story short, I ended up purchasing the two clinics <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. They settled about three weeks apart. Okay. And I continued to work in emergency three nights mm-hmm. a week. So I didn't work in the clinics as such. I just worked on them from the start. And That's I, a really interesting approach. Just going, what was it about buying a business rather than setting up and building your own that appealed to you? Yeah, so I guess I had done a bit of reading and sort of had my eyes opened up because during vet school or, or during my sort of upbringing, I suppose it was a very traditional go to school, study hard, get good Mm. grades, go to university, become a professional, get a good job, you know, and that sort of security was the big Mm -hmm. thing. And then after I graduated, I traveled for about eight months through Africa and I came across a vet who was doing all sorts of really interesting work, a lot of philanthropy and, Uh uh, you know, charity work, welfare in in developing countries. Mm -hmm. And he was a really successful vet. He was a surgeon, a partner in a beautiful hospital in in Johannesburg or just out of out of Johannesburg in in South Africa and he was doing all this work on the side and I said how do you do this how do you manage to do all these extra things and he said oh I've got passive income streams and and my okay. ears shot up and yeah. I was like passive income <laughs> what is that <laughs> sounds good <laughs> I had I've never heard of this term passive income all I knew was active income because that's what I'd been taught 
Yes. And uh, it sort of opened my eyes up and I started reading a few books and, and you and I were chatting just before the podcast about, you know, one of the books, which was Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant. And it kind of made me realize that I was sort of really all along, I'd been aiming towards one quadrant, which was the employed quadrant mm-hmm. or the self-employed quadrant. Yeah. Um, if I became a, you know, my own boss in my own practice, but really what appealed to me was to be on the other side of that quadrant as, as a big business owner and an investor where, you know, you start to tap into more passive income and you start to reclaim your time mm-hmm. really, because on the, on the employed and self-employed side, we're, we're trading time for money, yes. but on the other side, you're able to leverage off other people's yeah. time and, and efforts yes. and, and money. And wow. so that appealed to me more. And so I always said, look, if I go into business, I want to have that style of business. Yes. So yeah, that was That's it. That's where you were. Those were the first two clinics. And then uh-huh. I continued in emergency work for about another four years. Mm-hmm. And then I purchased well, five years and then I purchased a third clinic. And at that point, I decided to stop doing any emergency work and just focus purely on the businesses. Yep. Wow. And that's where we're at now. In fact, um, a bit of exciting news is that we're, we're actually, we've just gone unconditional on our fourth hospital. And so that's going to be settling at the end of this month. So wow. that's kind of exciting that's, and that's, scary at the same time. Yeah, but it's exciting. And it's just such a different approach to being your own boss, if you like, for a lot of small business owners. You know, people a lot don't think that way of, you know, investing, buying something that already exists as a, I don't know if it's a personality thing, but the, lots of people I talk to, it's I've become this, I'm this professional, I, I'm a vet, or I'm a physio, and I'm going to build my business. So yeah. it takes a lot of courage, I think, and thinking differently to approach it a different way. Yeah, look, I think it's probably just a different mindset. Like, mm. I don't think I'm special or whatever, unique in any way. I think, like, if I look back at my, my dad was a GP and he had his okay. own practice and he built up his own name and he was a very busy successful doctor and you know he would always as as a new graduate you know for the first few years like so Shibley when are you starting your own practice when are you starting your own practice I'm (laughs) like yeah one day dad you know (laughs) one day I'll do that but then you know I also looked at elements of his lifestyle and I thought you're not just him but a lot of professionals like you say Mm -hmm. we we build a big practice around ourselves, or you build a business mm-hmm. around yourself. You know, it's the Dr. Shibley's clinic yeah. and, and then every client wants to come in and see yes. Dr. Shibley. And so, so what happens? And I've seen this. And so through observations, I sort of looked at different models and I saw that a lot of professionals had built a personal brand around themselves Yes, that then became a really deep hole that they could never escape from. Yeah, they're tied either. to it. Mm. They were handcuffed to the their massive practice. Massive handcuffs. And, and you know when when they went on holiday, the the revenue dropped, and yeah. no one wanted to come in and see the the locum or the, the mm. you know the stand in. And then yeah. everyone would wait a few weeks until you could say so you, you were busy to... before you left. You were busy when you came back. Yes. And and you just think, well, what's the point? Like yeah. that's not why I got into business for the yeah. first place. Yeah. In the first place, and I know it's different for different people. You know, um, it is a great feeling when you've got a thousand clients all wanting to Mm. see you and refusing to come in because you're not there like that does great things for your ego but it doesn't do great things for your bank account (laughs) it depends on what (laughs) motivates you doesn't it like I guess it does whatever's your motivation what do you wish you could change what do you think what do you wish would be easier for small business in particular in small business I think what would be best is if there were an understanding of what small business entails 
before you jump in. Like, yeah. I, and I'm talking just as a professional. Of course. Um, I heard a really interesting quote and someone said, you don't jump from the top of one ladder to the top of another. So if you've built your, you've had your ladder leaning up against your professional career and for yeah. the last seven or 10 years, you've been working your way up and now you're this amazing professional who's really capable technically. Yes. It doesn't mean that you're going to be automatically successful in business. No. <laughs> and a lot of us assume that, oh, I'm at the top of my game. This yeah. is great. I'll, I'll start a business now. And then, hey, you're right back down at the bottom rung of the ladder and, and you've got to <laughs> climb your way back up again. Yeah. So if anything, I think maybe more more awareness for professionals about mm. what that side of the coin looks like. Yes. I think like my big awakening was to go, oh, there is passive income. This exists. And what does this mean? And yeah. I don't think that is explained at all in vet school or maybe other professional yeah. schools. I had a couple know? of physios. I interviewed a couple of physios in the podcast a few months or so ago. Right. And they said the same thing. You do four years of training to be a physio, but you might get one module or some little bit about actually owning a business and <laughs> running a business. And they're similar to you. They bought into the business that they worked in. Right. But, you know, no training in how to manage staff or all that kind of those elements of running a business. And I guess it's fair. I mean, at the end of the day, those courses are designed to teach you, you know, about that vocation. Yeah, your technical, that, technical that industry. Mm-hmm. And I think as a as a professional, we just have to acknowledge that, hey, I've studied veterinary science. I've not studied business. Yeah. So if I want to open a veterinary business, I need to study business. Business. Yeah. You know, and, and that was my sort of approach to having a vet business. I said, look, I'm not going to do a formal MBA, but I, I read a truckload of books. I yeah. attended a truckload of seminars and I digested everything I could. Mm-hmm. And I just, I said to myself for the first three to five years, this is my MBA. Like if yes. I lose some money and if I graze my knees and whatever, that's okay because I have to learn a new it's my skill. Educa- yeah, it's your education. That's On education. the job that's, education. That's the cost of education. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the marketing stuff. How do you promote your business? So I suppose there's two types. We've got the internal marketing and the external. So internal um, is obviously much cheaper where you're just essentially reactivating your existing clients or customers and maybe sending out reminders for the mm-hmm. annual vaccinations and, yep. you know, for parasite prevention, things like that, and regular yeah. newsletters. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would class our Facebook page kind of sits in the middle of both yeah. internal and external because yep. it's largely about maintaining relationships with our existing clients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to a certain degree, we will have people from outside who are non-clients who who like our page and then with the hope that they may one day convert. But it's more likely that it's your... It's more internal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and so there's that internal side. And then external, I suppose, a lot of it is by location Mm -hmm. and signage. That still seems to be the biggest thing. And so we've just gone, okay, let's stay on top of that and let's keep updating our signage and adding flags and making sure that you know, our our external presentation is welcoming and inviting and that it stands out. We actually, we got those interchangeable signs. I don't know what you call them, but the ones that you see on a lot of churches and stuff, they have the big... Um, oh, with the letters. Yeah, with the okay. letters. And then we started bringing out, we put up puns. And awesome. And a lot of dad, dad jokes. But that was our market, right? Like a lot yeah. of our market is that kind of age group and yes. they, that appeals to them. And 
And it just creates a bit of buzz. And, and it's really interesting the response that we got from that because we don't put up anything technical. We very rarely will put something up about, oh, tick season is here. Make sure you, you know, <laughs> you, whatever. Like, like the fire brigade, like, my local fire brigade. <laughs> got something out there about a bushfire plan or whatever. Yeah. And look, sometimes it's good and it's informative and you need a bit of that. But you think how much do people remember that? How much does it stand out? How much of a buzz does it create when they're talking to other people? And we actually got a mention on one of the ABC radio talk shows because the DJs were like, oh, yeah, I drove past this clinic. And someone, one of the clients actually sent us a snippet of the thing. They said, I drove past this clinic and I, I read the sign and it said, free belly rubs, sorry, <laughs> cats and dogs only. <laughs> and, you know, it was great because we were just like, hey, we'll just put it up. It's a funny little thing. And we yeah. didn't, it wasn't even our original thing. We stole it from somewhere. But, you know, it got a mention and it gets taken further and further. And yes. it's really interesting because people will actually send us an email saying, hey, you guys need to change your, your <laughs> sign. You haven't changed it for a few weeks now. We're waiting for another joke. And it's really interesting. I didn't realize how powerful signage was mm -hmm. and just those little things there that become part of people's everyday routines, yes. driving to work. They look forward to something a little bit different yeah. that just mixes it up a bit. I remember there was a pub here in Sydney in the inner city or close to the inner city on a very main thoroughfare. And there was a pub on one side of the road and a church on the other side of the road. And for years and years and years, the church would put up you know, a church-related message right. and the pub would do a handmade sign in the window that was related or just a joke or a play okay. on words. And yeah, it right. was, you know, I remember every time I drove <laughs> into the city, I'd look at what they both were going on and it was similar, you know, it would make the newspaper, it would, you know, occasionally it would be so funny or yeah. so topical that it would get people talking. And that's that, you know, it's that whole talking point and talkability, isn't yeah. it? And obviously your community, location-based business, your community is really engaged with it and it gives you that them that, you know, yes, you're part of this community. Yeah. If you talk about marketing, like we've tried lots and lots of things mm -hmm. within the community as well. You know, we've tried to set up little joint ventures and referral programs with local gyms and things like that. And, and they've had mixed response. There's mm. nothing that's really taken off. And, right. and maybe it's maybe it's largely because I just haven't put in the, the time, energy and effort required with those. You know, then there's the usual you know, Google AdWords and mm -hmm. pay-per-click type ads yeah. and yeah. All, all those sorts of things, which we're doing as well in the background. At, yeah. And we do it, I guess, Across the clinics, we kind of look at which ones need it. So we look at, okay, okay how much space is there in our appointment list? Do mm -hmm. we need to actively promote this? Or has that clinic got enough sort of organic marketing and yeah. word of mouth referral that it's just filling our day? This one needs a bit of help, or we've taken on a new staff member. Yeah. We need to fill up their, their list. Yeah. yeah, that's how we treat so that. So it's pretty... I guess organic's the wrong word because it's organic in terms of marketing, not organic in terms of marketing, but it's, you know, it just kind of moves with what you need. Yeah. And I, like, like the nice thing about Google AdWords and, and those sorts of paid advertising is you can almost turn on the, the mm. tap, you know, yes. you kind of go, turn it on. Okay, we're good. Like we don't need to pay for that anymore. Let's switch it off now. Yeah. So I guess that's what we like about that. Although we're probably not we haven't fine-tuned it to the point mm. where it's, it's, you know, there's still a bit of a lag, I think. You don't just yes. go, hey, let's turn on the ads and then tomorrow's schedule's tomorrow's full. full. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work like that. No. Yeah. Um, so how much of your marketing do you do yourself versus outsource? So my, 
I'm I'm fortunate that my wife is a journalist and oh, winning. She, <laughs> and so she has an interest in that that side of things. Okay. In that, you know, she's helped with the websites and the Facebook content and things like yeah. that and, and how to word it. But again, going back to the conversation we had earlier, is she sort of dug this hole for herself, being, well, I'm the the marketing person and the, the social media person. And it became really stressful for her. And then there'd be gaps where she's like, I just need a break. And then she'd like not be involved in that for a while. And then there's just lull in. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, we can't do this as a business. We're going to have to yeah. keep on top of it regularly. And I said, look, why don't you oversee that and and just outsource it? You know, let's find the people that can yeah. help with that. So I think initially it's good to get your head around what's needed and be able to overview things. You don't want to just jump in too early and outsource when you have no idea because you can just literally throw thousands of dollars away having no idea about anything. You need to find your own voice with it too. But it's good that you, I guess, recognize then. Are your staff involved in any of it? Uh, To a certain degree, like some of them really love it. And some of them Mm. are like, you know what, I joined to become a a nurse or a vet. I've got no interest in making videos that we post on Facebook. You know what I mean? So some of them take to it really well. They're like, yeah, sure. We we did a segment once with the vets. They used to do like Q&A videos. And so they'd record little videos where they answer a question and then we'd post that to Facebook. And that was good. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not always suitable they didn't always have the time they weren't always in the right frame of mind you have to be in a certain mode to be recording these things as well and so you know we did that for a phase and then we stopped doing it in terms of some of the outsourcing that we have done we we took on a virtual assistant from the Mm -hmm. philippines and and that wasn't easy going like we had to work through two or three different people to find the right one and even then you know we've come to learn the limitations and look they're able to do this, but not that. Yeah. You know, don't ask them to do that because that's beyond their their realm. And, you yeah. know, give really clear instructions and mm-hmm. nothing ambiguous and, you know, all that <laughs> sort of stuff that we've had to learn along the way. But yeah. I, I think it was it was worth it in the end because then you find the right person and they take 40% of your load off your plate. Yeah. You know, that's great. And so the, the staff, for example, might internally, you know, they're only responsible for taking photos. Yeah, what they do. Photos of some cute pets and maybe some cool cases that come in and x-rays and stuff like that. And then that gets passed on to the virtual assistant who then takes it and whatever, pre-posts them and sets it all. I don't even know what he does. He does something cool and (laughs) and they all come out on a regular basis. So it's more, it's more balanced and we sort of have one post a day rather than, you know, weeks of nothing and then spurts of, yeah, Yeah. hey, here's lots of photos. So which channels are you on? Which channels? Yeah, so what social channels do you use? Um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We may have a TikTok presence, although I, you won't find me dancing on any video. <laughs> um, <laughs> those are probably the main big, ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a big spread, isn't it? And, you know, you've got that and you've got three clinics. That's a lot of work. It is a lot it of takes work a lot. to maintain consistency. And sometimes it's also just about being just having a presence, like mm. it, it might not be our most active platform, but we need to show up if someone searches it, then at least yeah. we're there and we've at least got one or two little videos. One of the things we did a while back, you talk about like marketing stuff, 
a while back there was a community event like the Callumville Community Carnival and they had, I don't know, 200 stalls and we took out a stall there but we got these big suits, you know, the big plush suits so we hired like a dog and a cat suit and that became Monty and Minx and at this particular carnival and, you know, so we were going around during the day and kids were taking selfies and everyone wanted to hug the cat and, you know, that was all cute and funny and then Justice Crew was one of the the acts that were at a concert there and so everyone who had a stall got a free ticket to the thing. And so yeah. we sent Monty and Minx in to the concert on the dance floor and they were like dancing around and stuff. So we've got a few YouTube videos. And oh stuff my in God. There and, you know, just nothing like stuff. a good stunt. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just a, a good bit of fun. And uh, I think that's the thing about marketing as well. Like, I know the challenge, one of the challenges with marketing is trying to know what's going to work. What's oh, yes. Work. Well, <laughs> that's my next question. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll let you, I'll let you ask you know, it. How do you measure or track that it's working? How do you know that it's working or not? When we've done certain campaigns, like say a letterbox drop or something, then we've included a little coupon number or some yeah, sort of identity or ask them to present yeah. the coupon, you know, that sort of thing. When we've done, so Google AdWords, I think there's a specific number that yep. they've got on the AdWords site that sort of clicks phone calls coming through that number, et cetera, et cetera. So I suppose there are ways to track it that way. Mm. Um, how do we know what's working and what's not working? I haven't like fine-tuned that enough. We've yeah. got a rough idea of certain things. Like I think it's really important to do a post-mortem afterwards and break it down and go, okay, guys, we ran this thing for yeah. two months. Was it actually worth it or not? Yeah. You know, like one of the things that we participated in was the RSPCA did like a, a national campaign where mm. it's 20% off desexing for these three months. And desexing is one of those things in clinics, it's already discounted. It's heavily subsidized by each okay. individual vet clinic. Like right. um, if you were to price up that same procedure as a normal, you know, abdominal Procedure. surgery, you'd yeah. be paying $2,000. And, you know, we'll spay a cat and spay a dog for $300 or $500. And you think like it's massively discounted. And then the RSPCA comes out once a year and says, hey, we <laughs> want the vets to all be part of this thing and discount another 20%. And vets are like, oh my God, what are you doing to us? You know, yeah, yeah. like yeah. Uh, we're already doing that. So, so some vets are just like, nah, not going to be a part of this. This is ridiculous. And rightfully so. Like from a business angle, it's a loss. There's no vet that's generating revenue from that. But we said, look, let's trial one of our clinics. And we put one of the clinics through it. And we mm-hmm. we said, okay. And then and then we measured it afterwards. And we said, okay, how many more people did we see? Did that help us attract any more clients? Yeah. Were we attracting the right type of clients? Yes. Or were we just trying to attract people who were coming for a cheap one-off procedure and then never to be, never seen, be again? seen again? So those are the things that I suppose you have to look at when mm. you're trying to dissect a marketing campaign. But I think testing and measuring you know, as long as you can afford to to do that, have yep. a bit of a play and pilot something, see if it works. And if it doesn't, then scrap it. And if it does, great, yeah. just keep turning it out. Yeah. And you talked about Google AdWords. Is that the only mm. type of paid advertising that you do? What are the types of paid advertising do you do? Yeah, so we, we tried, um, we used to boost some Facebook posts yes. that was paid. And then we did for a period of time, we did some paid Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of our clinics is in uh, our clientele. We have a large Chinese-based clientele, yeah. so we have a lot of Mandarin-speaking clients and mm-hmm. Cantonese-speaking clients. And so we actually had to get onto the WeChat, onto WeChat. platform 
and learn a little bit about that. But that we definitely outsourced. We just found someone who does that yeah, sort yeah. of marketing and, you know, we asked them to set that up. So that's a whole different ball game with influencers and mm. all sorts of things. And so, yeah. If you're not in the, it as a user, it's very hard to navigate something like that. If you don't have the language and you don't yeah. know what your ads are saying and, you know what I mean? Like it's a very yeah. high trust situation. You're like, hey, yeah. I trust that you're putting good ads. That You're look- presenting my business in the way that I want it presented. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are probably the three main types of paid advertising that we're doing, but we're looking more and more now at doing more organic or internal marketing, focusing a lot on Google reviews and, you know, even setting up an internal referral program, things like that, where it's a bit more, well, it's less costly and, you know, you're going to get a high trust kind of um, client out of that rather than just a random person who stumbles across your ad. And what systems do you use? Like, have you got particular systems that you use? How do you manage it all? What's the systems and processes that you've got in place to manage it all? Yeah, good question. So we've got our internal practice management software. So that's kind of like a CRM, although it's got its own limitations in how much you can do. You know, it's not like a a Salesforce or or one of those type of CRMs where you can... But it's good from a practice and vet management Correct. I imagine. It's good from an accounting and business kind uh-huh. of angle as well. And in terms of yep. sending follow-up reminders for lapsed vaccinations. So, so a lot of our internal marketing it's good for. Yeah. Um, and we'll use that to help segment databases when we're sending out newsletters and we right. might send one just to our seniors or yeah. you know, one text our oh, text campaigns is another thing that we've done. Right. Um, that's another paid form of advertising, I suppose, yep. that we do. And that's been quite uh, successful mm-hmm. at times. In terms of systems that we use, that we do have another platform that we use. I'm just trying to think because it's changed recently. So there's a there's a platform for, called VetCheck IT that okay. we use, and they have a lot of content which can be easily automated or essentially sent to clients um, right. after a consultation. And so, you know, if we see something in a consultation, say, oh, this animal's got dental disease or they're overweight and the client needs some more information, we go, okay, yeah. put in their email, send them this info here. Fact, but now sheet. what they've started doing, which is pretty cool, is they've started to develop sequences where, yeah, That's I know. Great. Right, That's right? awesome. Love the sequence. <laughs> so I've been waiting for that because, you know, it is really overwhelming. What we find when clients come in to see us, there's just so much going on, right? Like mm-hmm. they've, They've moved mountains just to be able to be available for the appointment. And then they've yeah. brought their animal in that they're really stressed. They've been meowing the whole way in the car or or barking. And maybe they've peed in their in their carry box. And you know, the clients walked in, they're already <laughs> embarrassed. They've got a cat that's got like the smelly carrier. And you know, there's all this stuff going on. Yeah. And then during the consultation, the dog's trying to jump off the table and they're just busy trying to hold them. So what we've realized is the information retention is like next to nothing and it's not their fault it's not that it's that there's a lot of emotion there's a lot of stress and anxiety that goes into a physical consultation and for us to be able to then get the message through Mm -hmm. about a complex thing like dental disease or diabetes or something like that like that takes more than one sitting or more than one email yeah you need something to refer to when absolutely i wish doctors would also do go down this path (laughs) me too (laughs) (laughs) 
me too. Because like I, yeah, when I go see a doctor, I've got lots of questions about stuff and I'm, I'm like, come on guys, like give me more. And, you know, inevitably you're going to end up going to Google and doing your own yeah. research yeah. and probably finding something random and inaccurate that doesn't suit your personal condition. So I think if as professionals, we can educate our clients more remotely. Oh, the follow-up. Yeah. I think there's so many professions where automated follow-up sequences could do a huge job for one, patients or clients doing the right thing, Yes, but also for retention. Absolutely. Yeah. I attended a webinar recently and they had this pie chart up which showed only 3% of the time is the client essentially in contact with you over the course of the year. Like that's, that's the right. little window of influence you've got if you just rely on your consultation. Mm. And so, you know, you've got to rely on these other things, the, the, the newsletters, the email marketing, the text messages, the Facebook, yeah. all of those things help to, even if it's just about building rapport and trust to the point where they know, hey, if I do have a question, I know who to pick up yeah. the phone to, or I know who to email. So it just that's, creates that connection. I've got this absolutely. big thing that, you know, you can use technology to create that human connection by being in contact at the right time with the right context. 100%. Yeah. And and I think, you know, these are the challenging things for you as a, as a scientist or for me as a scientist and like, no, it's all very clinical and it's black and white and the dead dog's got the disease and we've got the treatment and this <laughs> is how it's done. And and again, going back to what we spoke about before with the, that's not how business works. You know, you, there's all this emotion, there's all mm. the trust that you've got to build and rapport yes. and all these things that the complexities of people and humans, <laughs> as vets, we, we don't really fully understand and we don't take that much of an interest in as well because we're more interested in the animals. But these are things that we have to learn how to get good at because yes. at the end of the day, it's the human that makes the decisions as to whether we're going to be allowed to treat their pet or not. And Pay the bill. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The dogs don't come in with their own credit cards. So. No. <laughs> well, what do you enjoy about marketing and promoting your business? I guess what I like about it is that you can be creative. And I think like within the science or as a professional you don't have much creative space. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of board restrictions and you must treat this that way. Mm. You know, you must do this in this certain way and abide by these laws. But when it comes to marketing, you can sort of almost do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> you know, and We're not going to say that anything goes in marketing because no. I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, almost anything. But I, I think you've got a bit more creative freedom Yes. And and some liberties there that you can push the boundaries a little bit. And, you know, and it depends on the person. Like I'm not too risk averse. And so I'd rather sort of put something out. And what do they what do they say? Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yes. yes. That's kind of my philosophy. Put something out That's there. That's great. Yeah. And Test if, the waters. Yeah. And if you've done something wrong, someone's going to let you know. And, of course. And you can pull it off and go, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to. But I think sometimes we can get stuck in analysis paralysis mm -hmm. where you're like, I have to make it perfect. I have to get this campaign right. I have to have every word 100%. And then you spend months and months doing something. And by the Spinning time you're years. ready to launch a marketing campaign, that ship has sailed. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, that season has passed or no one's interested in that topic anymore. And so yeah. it's, it's redundant. So that's what I like about marketing is that you can be a bit more creative and, mm -hmm. and test and measure and do some stuff. And, and you know, we work in an industry where it is life and death. And if you get something wrong, 
you know, you get a dose rate wrong or, mm-hmm. or you know, even a drug that gets administered too quickly or instead of giving the injection under the skin, if it gets given intravenously, that yeah. could be a life or death situation where marketing's not that. You've got, yeah. you know, so it's it's kind of nice to go, hey, I can I can do something here. I can make a mistake. And it's a, it's, it's a bit more forgiving and can you know, show your personality and have a bit of a sense of humor and a bit lighthearted. Yeah, that's a really nice way of looking at it, actually. Guess so. You're not the first person who, when I ask that question in general, people, oh, I like the creative side. It's that opportunity to use that part of your brain, express yourself a bit differently, yeah. put yourself out there in a way that you can't through your profession. True. What don't you like about marketing then? <laughs> I suppose I don't like that sometimes it is unpredictable, like the same thing in that, you know, it's like, hey, we have to try this and try that and try that and try that. And you kind of just want to go, this is what's going to work, you know, (laughs) take these pills for this many days and the condition's going to clear up and that's it. Yes. We don't really have that with marketing. They're like, well, we'll just have to do a bit of a shotgun approach and see which bullet hits and and then we'll, you know, go more of a rifle approach with that one. So yeah, as I a scientist, it's very hard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is absolutely, and and I think as well, parting with hard-earned dollars as well is it's difficult, and and having to trust people who, you know, they've got a really slick sales presentation, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make them a good marketer, you know. And I've been caught up with being sold onto certain packages, and you go, oh, this guy looks amazing. They they sound like they know what they're doing, and here, take my money. Mm. And then you find out later that they're they're clueless or that they don't exist anymore. <laughs> I had that was one of my first lessons in. Uh, I, I went for a rebrand in business, and mm-hmm. uh, we, this marketing company came and like, whoa, well, you need a better message. You need to rebrand and change your name and your look and everything. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, cool, let's do it. And I committed like twenty thousand dollars, and it was a package where it was going to be yeah. the website and all this ongoing stuff and banner ads and blah, blah, blah. And within two months, the company folded and I lost my money. Oh my God. And this is the, I mean, for me, sitting on the other side of the fence, that industry has such a bad reputation because this part of it is probably because you, you know, yeah, you can get a marketing degree, but, you know, unlike being and practicing as a vet, you don't have to have any qualifications per se. You can be an influencer. Right. And yeah. Come out and <laughs> say true. I'm a marketer. And like, yeah. I grapple with that because I'm not, I'm probably more, I sit more on the analytics and the process. Right. And that's where my marketing skill set comes from. Mm. And I struggle with the creative elements of it that everyone associates with marketing. But I also probably, if I'm honest, I struggle a little bit with the no guarantee of a result yes. element of marketing. <laughs> it's hard. It's <laughs> it hard. How do you how do you sell that to a client? You know, I mean. I, I know when mm. we have a case with a, a very uncertain prognosis, it's very hard to say, hey, come and spend $5,000 yeah. on a surgery and I can't guarantee that it's going to work. You yeah. know, that's, how do you and when you've got deep personal integrity, I do, I honestly, and I, as I said, I sit on that marketing side, mm. of, side of life of thing and I, I do struggle with that sometimes too. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the goals for your business? You're obviously buying another practice. What are the goals and how do you see marketing fitting into achieving those goals? So I I had a a very sort of 
big, hairy, audacious goal a few years ago. And it was one of those, it was not a smart goal. It was a, you know, a, a not very well planned out goal. It was just acting on, on a very deep emotional mm-hmm. impulse. But uh, it was like, I, I set a goal to positively impact a billion beings. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> a billion, a billion with a B. Oh, wowzers. Yeah, I know, right? And I thought, you know what? I'm not talking human beings only. I'm talking no. animals as well. And I, think, I said, you know what? I'm in the vet profession and I know the impact that one vet can have on the clients. It can be a whole family of members and, you know, multiple pets in that family. And it's a generational thing as well, you know? And so I, I kind of set this goal to positively impact a billion beings and I put a date on it, but I really think it needs to be a whole lifelong thing. Mm, that's a very real, big number. Let's be real about it, right? <laughs> um, how many how many animals are there, or how many beings are there, even in like our country in Australia? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And this is this is the, the analytic. This is the measurement. <laughs> and this is where people have pulled it. The scientists have gone, Shibley. This is not a smart goal. Like, <laughs> do you even know what you're dealing with? Like, where did you come up with this thing? And I'm like, I don't care. You know, it makes me feel good I and love it. it helps push me forward because I think a lot of the time, you know, when you, you get stuck in the rat race, it's very easy to just feel like I'm just paying bills. I'm yep. just paying off my mortgage or putting food on the table or paying for my kids yep. very high private school fees or, you know, whatever it is. And you're just like, eh, do I have to do yep. this thing? Yep. But yeah, I have to do it for another few years and then it'll be okay. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like you're looking forward to the end of your life. It's like that's depressing. Yeah, I don't like. I don't no, like no. That. Uh, you're looking forward to the time when the kids are grown up and they're out of the way, so you don't have to pay for them anymore. It's like, oh, that's that's yucky. So I'm like, you know what? How do we live more in the moment? How do I enjoy more of what I do right now? And you know, focus on those positive impacts that we're making every single day. Yeah. And I think you know, in terms of if you talk about business and leverage, obviously, as one vet treating. 20 animals a day, Mm. that's as much as I can do. But if I own a clinic where we have, you know, three or four vets or, you know, we have multiple clinics Mm. now where we have, you know, a team of, let's say, 10, 14 vets, what can we do with that? You know, how many people can we impact and and how many changes can we make in the world? You know, so that's that's really what drives me. I don't have a, a set figure to say, well, the business has to go to this or that or whatever. I think certainly starting out, um, you know, I, I was very driven by the financial side of the business to say, mm-hmm. I want the business to generate, it has to be an asset. It has to generate money so that I can buy back my time. Yep. And, and that's very much what it has been and what it's done. That's awesome. You know, but I think I had to sort of realign my my goal and say, but there's got to be more than that. Like, even when I think about it, I go, well, why was I wanting to buy back my time? Really, I wanted to buy back my time because I wanted to do more work in the community. And I wanted to do those things that I was doing as a student, as a broke student, that I really enjoyed doing. And I thought, oh, if I'm stuck in a job and I'm working 40 hours a week and I can't can't do any of those things. And so how do I quickly free up that 40 hours a week so that I can start doing those things again? And so being involved, like, so with B1G1 has been a, a, a big thing and, um, mm-hmm. you know, starting a little, a little group called Vets for Good and getting a few other practice owners involved and saying, how can we really use our businesses to create more positive impact, not just financially, but, uh, you know, through the work that we're doing. 
Mm. And I think a lot of it is around running sustainable business, Mm -hmm. sustainable, profitable business, because there are a lot of vets and bless their souls. they're, They're the loveliest people. They do a lot of pro bono work and charity through their own clinics. Yeah. But they then, because they're not profitable and they're not sustainable, mm. they can't do that forever and they burn yeah. themselves out and yeah. they become martyrs. Yeah. And that's, I don't see that as the, you know, and I've sort of adopted a different model with like, mm. hey, look, let's create sustainability. Let's create a yeah. growth model that we can continue to to build and, and grow and feel feel good about clinic, not just wait until the day that I retire and I, you know, I can't wait till I can get rid of this, but rather go, Hey, how much more can we do? And how That's can amazing. we do more? That's such a great perspective. Not just, you've got altruism, but as you say, sustainable altruism rather than running yourself into the ground. Yeah. Where at the end of the day, yeah, you'll, you can't keep that going. Well, it's got to be right. Because like, I think of this thing that I heard and uh, years ago and it's like you can't give charity when you are charity yeah you know what I mean like <laughs> if, mm-hmm. that's if such a great thing you can't feed other people when you're starving every day so look look after yourself feed yourself yes and and these days it's very much not just feeding yourself physically but feeding your mental yes your your mental self and and keeping your mental health and factoring in your holidays and taking time off with the kids and doing yeah, those things that makes you feel like, yes, this is something I can run. And like, I do a bit of coaching with other vet practice owners as well. And like, one of the things I talk about is like, work out what race you're running. Are you running a sprint or are you running a marathon? If you're running a sprint, yeah, go hard, go burn yourself out and (laughs) you don't have to do it for a very long time, but don't think you can sprint, you know, the length of a marathon and and most people yeah. have a marathon plan in their head. It's like a, you know, it's a 20 or 30, 40 year plan. Oh and then you think you're going to do that at that sprinting pace the whole way. Like seriously, yeah. how are you going to do that? Yeah. So anyway, that's. That's, yeah. I love that. Thanks. And what's COVID taught you about marketing? <laughs> you're in Brisbane. Uh, so you've, you know, you've, uh, you haven't had the full impact that others yeah. of us have had. But what has COVID, you know, the so last we've 18 been, months? We've been really been. fortunate and, and blessed where we are. I think um, COVID for the industry as a whole has actually seen an uplift in, in our industry. Yes, of course. There's lots of COVID people, pets. More people are spending time at home with their pets, working mm-hmm. from home. So their schedules are more flexible. They're able to go see the vets. We've been fortunate enough that we have been deemed an essential service that's been mm-hmm. able to keep our doors open the whole way through. Yeah. Although we had some pretty heavy restrictions with limiting physical contact, obviously yeah. the social distancing yeah. and, and our own internal limitations where if a staff member was sniffling, they had to just stay away. And, uh-huh. and then we were running on skeleton stuff. So it's been a real drain on the industry okay. yeah. as, as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of vets are really worn out and mm. just like, I cannot do this anymore. Okay. Like, yes, business is booming, but people are, are breaking, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're struggling. Mm. And so what has it taught me, sorry, to answer your question, what has it taught me about marketing? I suppose I learned some things about Google My Business and COVID updates. <laughs> <laughs> that was something Excellent. that we learned that you know, COVID skill. updates were a good thing that um, yeah. was well received. And so being regular with your COVID updates about, okay, this is how we're doing it now. And now we're doing curbside consulting or now we're doing this, now we're doing that. It's communication. You know, it's that element of using of marketing versus communication and keeping people informed. You know, marketing is generally about persuasion 
But in COVID, we've had to yes. shift our game to be about communication and keeping yeah. people informed. We're not necessarily persuading them of something, but we're built, coming back to that relationship and how do we, you know, tell them what's happening. Absolutely. And and like the things I'm seeing now that other clinics are having to do a lot as well is to just keep that communication to clients and explain yeah. how we are worn out. You know, we are running mm. on minimal staff and we can't jump through hoops the way that we used to before. Yeah. And, and we're seeing an influx of clients and patients. And can everyone just give us a little bit of like a little bit of understanding and a little yeah. bit more patience and don't be as demanding yeah. as you want to be. And, you know, because yeah. I think with COVID as well, some people's tolerance is really worn quite thin. And uh. we, we are seeing a lot of clients just making unreasonable demands. And we know it's not specifically directed at, as, at us, yeah. but, you know, we might be on the the receiving end of of their whole a lot day of, of frustrations. Yeah, there's a lot of stressed out people out there. <laughs> yeah, there are. So my last question is, what advice would you give other small businesses, vets or not vets, about using marketing in their business? I think definitely do it. Um, it's, <laughs> it's necessary. And I, I think it's really important to work out what sort of impact you want to have in the world and how big you want to grow because that's going to determine how much marketing you need to do. Yeah. You know, if, if you want to stay small and just have a boutique kind of business or lifestyle and it just involves you, then you just have to work on your personal brand and having enough people that like you and that's enough. Yeah. But if if you want to, you know, build a bigger business and maybe you, you have some other big worldviews about how you want to change the world, then you're going to have to grow and you're going to have to market and bring other people in. And I think the other message really is that you know, marketing is, there's a hundred ways to market, you know, there's not just one, it's not just Google ads or just this or just that. And sometimes as a business owner, you're looking for a quick fix because you're like, I'm so busy. I do not have time. I just want one silver Silver bullet. bullet. There is no silver bullet. You know, and I want to pay one person and get it right the first time. And I think it's just, it's just, we've got to just change our expectation about Mm. The reality of the situation and that is you know you do have to test and measure you do have to fail lots of times before you find the right one and yeah. and it's evolving you know yeah. what worked really well last year for six months doesn't work at all now and it's a <laughs> it's a waste of time and money to even try and do that now so that's yeah. the other I suppose if you talked about frustrating things <laughs> it was the evolution of marketing as well that's like yes. we can't do the same thing we used to do just 3 months ago now we have to mm. find something else but um I think as as business owners the more we are accepting of the fact that we have to evolve and and be fluid in yeah. not just the way that we practice our business like all your systems might be the same you might have a great system which has worked for the last 20 years you can keep churning that out in the background but on the front, you have to keep evolving and changing and changing platforms and, you know, adjusting to the time. So I think what even in the back end, what's worked for the last 10 years, and it's interesting, there's this whole cohort of business owners now who are in that kind of middle age, mm. but have their business for 10, 15 years. And the way businesses run, particularly from a systems and process point of view now, is very different. So there's this, yeah, feel for this kind of cohort of established businesses that are Mm. going through a bit of a I use the term digital transformation but you know didn't start their business in a particularly strong digital age but are now having to compete in a digital age and their competitor set has changed because of that the digital transformation that's happened around them yeah absolutely 
And I think certainly hiring younger employees has been a good thing for us because they're up with the times. They know what's going on. We've got a a few TikToks for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're like, we want to do TikToks. I'm like, okay, what the hell is TikTok? Um, All right, go for it. You know, so that is good, but it's it's just the whole evolution of business. And like you say, it is hard. You know, you see the baby boomers who are retiring and, and they just, you know, some of them have embraced and some of them like, oh my God, I, I don't want to know about that stuff. Yeah. And um, I think really as a business owner, we've got to just go, either way I have to do this stuff. So either I'm going to embrace it and go on the journey and learn how to do it, or I have to be willing to create a budget for it mm-hmm. and outsource it. But either way, it has to happen. I can't just dig my put my head in the sand and go, oh, we'll just do without because we've done fine for the last 15 years without having to worry about this stuff. Yeah, that's tricky. On that note, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our chat today. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. Me too. It's been fun. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you. All the best with the new practice. Thank you. My pleasure. And yeah, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Yeah, absolutely. You take care. Good All luck. right. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.